headquarters of Ramsey Solutions. It's the Ramsey Show, where debt is dumb, cash is king, and the paid-off home mortgage has taken the place of the BMW as the status symbol of choice. We help people build wealth, do work that they love, and create actual, real, amazing relationships. Life as it's supposed to be done. We invite your calls today. Ken Coleman, Ramsey personality, number one best-selling author and host of the Ken Coleman Show, where he talks about work and about career every day, is here as my co-host today on the Ramsey Show. Open phones at 888-825-5225. The call is free, and some say the advice is worth exactly what you pay for it. 888-825-5225. Lynn is with us. Lynn is in Tulsa, Oklahoma. How are you, Lynn? I'm great. How are you? Better than I deserve. What's up? So uh, several months ago, my kids and I and my husband were in a car accident, in an accident, and we are getting a settlement. My kids especially are going to be getting uh, a good settlement. And I'm wondering, what is the best way to go about saving that? Okay. Um, are, are they, um, is everybody okay? Yeah. Good. Yeah. Um, good. I'm glad. So there's, is there any ongoing medical need or uh, future surgeries that we need to set money aside for? Surprisingly, no. Good. Okay. All right. And so what is the, uh, what do you think the size of this is going to be? What have they indicated? Um, my youngest child is going to be getting a, about 100000 and then we have, about 50000 in medical bills okay. for him. For him. And then the other kids, it's going to be a couple thousand okay. for but, them. But is he is he got a permanent situation from this? or? No, it was just um, when it happened, my kids, like, my kids are here because it wasn't their time to go. Like, I believe that. It's a bad And wreck. we were really... Yeah. Yeah, we were really blessed. It was an auto. It was a pedestrian auto accident, um, and my kids were. We were the pedestrians, mm-hmm. and. Um, but your baby had, got a hundred. Uh, had fifty thousand dollars in medical bills, but is completely healed. Yes. Wow! Thank you, Lord. It, okay. Yeah, it doesn't make sense to the world, but I know it wasn't his time to go. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm, I'm more than comfortable with that, and I'm also glad for him and you. Yeah, this is, but I just I'm thinking about how to allocate the money. So the p- bottom line is, we don't need to allocate the money for anything. You've already covered the fifty thousand in medical bills, or the fifty's coming um, out of this hundred. That's coming out of the hundred. Okay, all right, and the others are going to get a, a handful of dollars. All right, now, yeah, this is coming through an attorney in a settlement process, I assume. Correct. Okay. In more cases than I like, the court will dictate to you what you can invest this in. I don't like it because I think the parent should be allowed to decide what to invest for their own child instead of the judge being the parent. But a lot of judges will take the position that the parents are idiots, and so they must be, they must be the child must be protected from their idiot parent's investment. Um, I disagree with that on a lot of levels, um, morally, legally, and everything else, but it doesn't matter. The judge may tell you you have to put it in something stupid, like just a CD. It may not even keep up with inflation if you do that, okay? If you have the option, this child's not going to need this money until they're grown. No, he's not. Then I would set the money aside in a mutual fund. I'd get with a Smartvestor Pro and 
pick a series of mutual funds. It's how I invested my own kids' money that I invested for their college, so why wouldn't I invest this kind of money there? Where it came from okay. doesn't matter. What matters is that they don't need it for 20 years or so. And what matters is that, um, you know, we, we need to outpace inflation, right? Right. And I'm, I know, you know, with interest, hopefully, you know, he'll have a good chunk when he's 18 because he's only two now. So he mm-hmm. has several years. Mm-hmm. And so I'm trying to also figure out how to best teach him to use it wisely so he doesn't turn, you know, get it when he's a certain age and then be dumb. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, don't, number one, don't let him be surprised that it's there. Um, it's mm-hmm. like sex. Don't wait till they're 20 to tell them. Exactly. Because they'll mess the whole thing up, you know? And so we need to talk about it age appropriately. We don't slam a three-year-old with too much information, right? Right. But we do teach a three-year-old something's happening, right? There's something there. And so money, we're going to teach the kid how to handle money because we expect them to have some. By the way, we're going to do that with all your kids. This is what rich people exactly. do. They teach kids how to handle money age appropriately. We don't make the five-year-old go to the salt mines, but we do teach them to work because they need to call Ken Coleman for a career later, yeah. right? That's right. Absolutely. And I think, you're, I think yep. Dave, I think this is great advice, too, is as you walk him along and the others, uh, you know, at some point they may talk, and he got more of a settlement than they did. So I think this is, you know, telling everybody and the, and the kids, this is not some big secret. Mm. This was something that happened because what you don't want is resentment mm-hmm. uh, to grow either. So I think mm-hmm. this is probably need to be more uh, transparent than, than normal. It's the only way extra conversations and extra communication shut down uh, all kinds of things because this a horrible event and is a is a part and and the survival of it mm-hmm. the miraculous survival of it is uh, part of your family story now yeah and so we're going to exactly. tell we're going to tell that story not to continually bring up trauma but it's um, it's God's hand on our life yeah and it's part of the story yeah. it's part of who we are at our house and part of it was little one got hurt worse and got more money and that's just the way life worked and so yeah you go ahead and talk about that i wouldn't surprise the siblings either that he's getting some money when he gets there or she gets there right we've already told him you know we're you guys will be getting some money but we're not yeah we don't need to talk about it we didn't talk about what the ramsey net worth was until our kids were grown and we started talking about estate planning with them Uh, you know like when they were in college we started talking about it but we you know they knew we had some money but i didn't want them running around school going my dad has a bigger net worth than your dad in the community we live in, that's kind of a thing. So, um, you know, I, I, yeah, I just want them to think, you know, we're just working stiffs. And uh, we are working stiffs. We just did really well. And so I wanted – but I wanted them to feel the responsibility of it after I had built their character on saving, giving, working, spending wisely throughout their whole years. So by the time I turned this on them and we started the meeting with, as for me and my house, we serve the Lord. So this is actually a responsibility to manage God's resources for his glory. It is not you hit the lotto. And so when they see the number, they actually kind of felt the weight of the number uh, instead of, uh, woohoo. I, I can be in a reality show now because I'm, yeah, right. I'm stupid and my parents have money. And so, you know, uh, that kind of stuff, right? And so they didn't, they didn't have that reaction, and none of my three did. But, again, it was a gradual, increased process through the years. So I would invest it in mutual funds, and I would, you know, just age appropriately, begin to reveal that it's there to where by the time we get there, you're not afraid he's going to go crazy or she's going to go crazy and head off to 
the Caribbean and do cocaine or something because he suddenly got a bunch of money. I mean, it's just, you know, we're going to fix all this ahead of time. So my friend Andy Andrews says we're not raising kids to be great kids. We're raising kids to be great adults. And that's really the target here. That's where we're going. This is the Ramsey Show. the country are discovering a faith-based and budget-friendly way of meeting health care costs through Christian Healthcare Ministries. Christian Healthcare Ministries, or CHM, is a nonprofit organization that helps members carry one another's burdens with health care expenses, and they have successfully shared each other's medical bills for nearly 40 years. See if CHM is right for you by visiting chministries.org. CHM is a proud sponsor of Dave Ramsey Live Events. Well, when it comes to the economy, there's always a lot of um, feelings, a lot of emotions, fear, anger, shock, Mm. dismay. When I filled up my Raptor the other day, I kind of passed out in the parking lot and (laughs) woke up up a little bit later. That's so true. Rachel was standing over me, making fun of me, talking about her Tesla. So I don't know, but it's... um, (laughs) Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, It's scary out there. See, I got my real estate license 44 years ago, so I've seen a lot of emotion over the years. Uh, I got my license in 78. Jimmy Carter was helping us with interest rates. They went to 19, 18% fixed. Uh, And by the time I'm selling real estate in the 80s, they were coming back down to 14 in 1982. Um, And we thought that was good. Um, So I've seen a lot of uh, into the world predictions yeah. that didn't come true and uh chicken little has always been alive and well and he's alive right now people are going crazy out there some of y'all are scared to death and if you're under 35 truthfully this is your first big financial thing because the last one was 2008 and you were a teenager and so uh this is your first time to actually kind of get the gut punch of what inflation or recession or gas prices or real estate uncertainty feels like so we're going to help you we're going to walk you through what is really going on, not not your broke brother-in-law that's got the conspiracy theories, feelings about the crash of the real estate world because of fiat money or something. We're going to actually talk through real estate data and what's really going on and how real estate prices, where they come from. It's a free, free live stream called the Real Estate Reality Check. It's this Thursday night. Rachel Cruz, George Campbell, and I are going to do this. And we're going to show you how the market actually works. And, we're, and then you can decide for yourself. But you need to be dealing with facts, not feelings. And fear is not a fact. Fear is a feeling. And we all have fear. We all have uncertainty. And your uncertainty usually, um, think about it. The first time you drove a car, how scared you were. Death grip on the wheel. Because you were uncertain. You didn't know how to do it. Now you drive a car with your knees, put on your makeup, and eat your Big Mac on the way to work, right? And so... <laughs> But you, because you've you're, you know you've gotten comfortable yes. with the process. That's right. And you know perspective of time and experience gives you actual facts and data that says okay I can walk because sometimes people die in cars, but it's the trade off's not worth it. It's it's a long walk. 
So I'm going to take the chance. I'm going to drive the car. It's not that big a risk. So this is the thing about investing. You got to get used to the ride and you got to know what you're doing and feel it and, and instead of just going on feelings. So real estate reality check this coming Thursday, July the 14th, uh, Rachel, George, and I go to RamseySolutions.com to sign up. It is a free live stream. RamseySolutions.com slash reality check, the real estate reality check. Be sure and tune in. Uh, we're doing this just as a service, just to let you guys know, long-form discussion, charts and graphs and stuff, stuff I don't usually do. Yeah. It's because it borders on boring. Yeah, but it's going to calm a lot of people down. That's why people really need to check this out. By the way, your friends and family who are telling you all this scary stuff, tell them about it as well. Send them a link. Uh, let them jump in and get something that they don't see on broadcast news all the time. Speaking of data, Dave, uh, we saw job numbers from June come out. The economy added 372,000 more jobs. So we're still waiting to see, are we in a recession? Are we not? But people need to relax because even if we see the GDP uh, slow into where we are in a recession, we are still seeing a very hot job market. Well, I would have been wrong then. If because I predict I predict a recession, a light one. Yeah. But I think the economy is going to shrink two quarters in a row, and yep. shrinking two quarters in a row is a recession. It's not the end of the world, and we might see it's that. just a slowing down of That's the, right. the craziness. I mean, because people came out of their caves after COVID, you know, like a Baptist after a casserole. I mean, they bought everything in sight. They started buying stuff hand over fist, and and the factories hadn't been making nothing, and so the prices went up on everything. Yes. It drove inflation crazy. Yep. And you can blame Joe Biden, but it's not all his fault. Part of it's his fault. But it's, uh, you know, it's not, I mean, if you watch Fox News, the, everything's his fault. But um, but the uh, if you watch CNN, nothing's his fault. And They're still so, talking about Trump. <laughs> that's all they talk about over there. But, but bottom line is that it's Trump's fault. Yeah, that's yeah. whose fault it is. I don't know how, but it is. Yeah. Probably Reagan's fault, actually. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, Clinton, that's who we should blame. Sure. But, um, but yeah, and the truth is none of them have as much control as everybody like to think they do. Yeah. But they can do some stupid stuff yeah. like cut off the gas supply and drive gas prices oh, up. Oh, sure. Now, that one was stupid. But um, but the, the, a lot of this other inflation stuff is COVID-based that's because right. of demand. Yeah. And so that's driving this job market thing. Man, I'm telling you, I you know, we, we took some time off for our 40th anniversary last week. And, you know, uh, we're in a resort setting, beautiful area. They're having trouble getting people to work. That's correct. Still. Well, still a labor shortage. We're still seeing more jobs created. The pandemic spun off a lot of new jobs. And, and so a lot of people went on their own. That's true. A lot of entrepreneurs. And so, again, here's the point. What we're going to see in the real estate reality check, the live stream, you're going to see really good data. You're going to see encouragement in, in a major part of this economy, and that's real estate. And I'm telling you, in the job part of things, we are still in a historic job economy. We are at 3.6% unemployment. That is the same number that we were in February of 2020. This is right before everybody went home for a season when the pandemic hit in March. And the economy was quite hot then. And it was. And so we saw a lot of people lose their jobs. And just to give people perspective here, uh, we're seeing now the unemployment rate back down to pre-pandemic levels. So the sky is not Did you see that coming? I thought thought employment was going to cool off. Uh, well, two things. I did see. I did see that we would come out of this pandemic where we had a lot of people. No, I mean laid in the last in the last ninety days. Uh, I thought it was going to come down. Yes, because we did see a lot of layoffs in in May. Yeah, it was reported big time companies. You know, that was the pre pre you know the pre uh, yeah. condition for the recession second quarter. That's right, leading into the recession. Sure. And and this indicates I might be wrong that there might not be a recession. Well, because companies don't hire big time 
in a recession. They do not. And so I think you're going to see parts of the economy will. We might technically see a recession. I'm studying a lot of economists right now. They're still waiting to see. I think your prediction is going to be right. I think we'll see an actual small recession of the GDP. But that can be true at the same time we see companies laying people off. We saw big tech lay a bunch of people off in May as a reaction to uh, a slowdown in consumer spending. Amazon announced layoffs. Really? Yes. Uh, yeah, in the last two weeks. But that's because inflation fears are naturally bringing people, the everyday consumer, the American family that we talk to day in and day out, they are spending less. We are seeing consumer spending drop. But it doesn't mean that you'll see layoffs happen in a healthy economy and you'll see people add jobs. So what we're seeing now, Dave, is a little bit of a reset and a return to a normal job economy where some companies and industries will lay off, others will increase. So for instance, I think you're going to see in the construction and manufacturing spaces, a lot of jobs added. And we saw that in the June job report because now things are starting to heat up again. Well, that, that's encouraging because that's, people, very that's people who make things. Yeah. And see, you're going to share this, I'm sure, in the uh, Real Estate Reality Check event we've been talking about. But a healthy uh, construction and housing start economy is always good. When we see good things yep. there, we see good economic indicators. Yeah. So I just think, to your point, let's focus on the facts and not the headlines that are designed to get you to click on them, designed to get you to snap your neck in the living room and keep watching. So if the uh, jobs report came in that positive, yeah. Um, in fact, the only uh, area that contracted, Dave, were government jobs. Oh, darn. And, <laughs> I knew you'd appreciate um, killing that. killing me here. I knew you'd appreciate uh, yeah. that. To which we all said, thank you, Lord. <laughs> but yeah, uh, and the congregation said amen. Right. But the, uh, all right, so, hmm. Because uh, the Great Resignation was both an existential thing where people got the crap scared out of them. I'm going to die someday, so I'm not going to work a job I hate. Yes. So I'm going to quit this job and go do something else. That's yes. a, That was an element of it. But another element of it was there was such a shortage of labor, they could go. They could. Anywhere they wanted to go and do anything they wanted correct. to do. And it also spurred up this uh, home, home school, uh, not home school, ho- work from home stuff. That's right. And uh, uh, that... that you know, people were tolerating anything just to hire people. That's correct. In terms of, you work wherever you want, just help me. I need some help. And that kind of thing. And uh, so I'm wonder, I was wondering, I kind of had the hope that that was all cooling off. But if this job report's heating up, then that stuff may still rock on for a while. We, yeah, may, I, we may be sitting in that all summer. You're going to see the great resignation, the job hop continue. continue. Because we saw May's numbers, 392,000 jobs were added June, 372. So you're looking at, uh, you know, almost 800,000 jobs in the last two months. Things aren't as bad as the news would believe, lead you to believe. Yeah, there it is. Real Estate Reality Check. you got to check it out. It's going to be a great event. This is the Ramsey Show. Anytime in the lobby at Ramsey Solutions, there's all kinds of things to do here. It's kind of a visitor center almost, um, including watch uh, watching ugly paint dry. Us do the show for three hours every day. 
We're here from uh, 1 to 4 Central every day live. Uh, a couple of us Ramsey personalities doing it every day. And uh, with very rare exceptions, obviously holidays and things, we're not here. But come in, there's uh, homemade chocolate chip cookies and coffee, and it's all free. And uh, there's usually 50 to 200 folks hanging out out here. Also included in the lobby is the debt-free stage, and Jeremy and Heather are on that. Hey, guys, how are you? What's happening, Dave? (laughs) Where do you guys live? We live down the road in Columbia, Dave. Oh, right down the road. Neighbors then. Mule Town. Very cool. Good to have you. So how much you pay off? Fifty thousand. All right. How long did that take? About twenty-three months. Good for mm-hmm. you. And your range of income during that time? It was about eighty-three yeah. to about one thirty. Very cool. What do y'all do for a living? I work at uh, Pinnacle Bank mm-hmm. in Franklin, so oh, yeah. I work in loan operations. Yeah, really good job. Very thankful for it. Good, good people. Yeah. We bank with them. Yeah, yeah. really good people. Yeah. You, don't, you don't see me in the loan operations side, but yeah, <laughs> but the rest of it, the rest of it's awesome. Yeah, right. yes. yeah. Um, I'm a national account manager for an outdoor power equipment company. Oh, great. Very cool. Good for y'all. All All right. So what kind of debt was this, $50,000? let us see. It was a a variety of stuff, Dave. Um, Yeah. Medical debt, IRS stuff. um, Student loans. Student loans. Medical bills. Cars. Court stuff from my first divorce. Yes. (laughs) Y'all are kind of normal. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. How long have you been married? Two and a half Two years. Two and a half oh, years. Oh, okay. So yes. you get married and you say, okay, one of the things we're going to do immediately, because 23 months, right? You mm-hmm. must have started almost immediately. Pretty- Tell me your story. What happened? Well, well, basically, Jeremy started telling me the Dave Ramsey story when we first met. Jeremy is very, um, very good with finances and um i myself was not and so it took a lot of encouragement you work in and a, a bank. lot of time i know <laughs> right. well previous to the bank i waitressed and bartend and okay. so All you right. know there was a lot of cash there was no bank account there was no budgeting ah. i actually didn't even yeah. really comprehend what budget entailed and so when we first met you know shortly after we started talking about finances and the idea of the budget and so it took a very long time for me to get on board yeah. i was is what you call budget-ish. I said, we can do a budget-ish, but yeah, we, I wasn't Jer- Jeremy really wasn't on board. That. <laughs> Jeremy, he wasn't going with that. Budget was a, a four-letter word for a while. Yeah. So yeah, how did so. you break your foot? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a whole other story. They actually, that's an ultimate um, Frisbee story, yes. Okay. <laughs> I wish it was cooler than that. It was actually my Achilles, Achilles tendon, unfortunately. Ooh. So. Yeah. Ow, that hurt but, just hearing it. Anyway. Man. <laughs> Okay, so now. so you're newly married, and you don't yeah. even know what a budget is. No. You said you're budget-ish, and so you break it to her, and you seem like a free spirit. Is that yes. is that fair, Heather? Spender, so, baby. So yeah. how, how, how tense was it when you really started to lock in on this? Was it really hard? It was horrible. Like, I remember the thing that actually set me on the right track was I actually watched Rachel, and I watched her talk about when her and Winston first sat down to do a budget, and she rolled her eyes, and she said, oh you're one of those people and so I think watching Rachel there was something where I connected with her and I connected with what she was saying and so that kind of made me want to go ahead and take the plunge but every budget meeting it was kicking dragging screaming three months it took us four months before i understood that when you have a budget that means you don't go over it means you actually stay under this designated amount and you just so, thought it was a suggestion yeah yes yeah. Budget guidelines yes <laughs> yeah i get it yeah now, Rachel is the nice Ramsey. She is, and a free spirit. So I could see how you connected with her. Like if yes, Rachel can do completely. it, I can do it. Yeah, sure. Yeah, and poor Jeremy was like, 
He is amazing. He's been so patient and he's been so kind and he's had so much grace. And so, um, it's really been a journey and it's really been a journey for our marriage too. Um, you really get to know one another and you really get to, you really push yourselves and you kind of see what you're made of and you learn how to work together. And so it's been amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Very good. Very, very cool. Okay. Now you did it. 50,000 in 23 months. So now we can spend lots of money, right? Uh, <laughs> like, yes. No, now you get to still be a grown-up, and you decide <laughs> yeah. if you're going to spend lots of money. You don't need my permission to do it. You get to do whatever you want to do right. it's between yeah. you two. I'll let you guys figure that part out. But yeah. So what is the secret to paying off fifty grand in 23 months? Um, it's a few things, Dave. I think it's being – the budget is, of course, you have to do the budget. Right. Um, every yeah. month is really different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, different things happen month in, month out. So, you have to do it every month. Mm-hmm. Um, I think consistency, intentionality. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, one thing that that really, for us, was, was from day one when we decided to do this. Um, you know, we both know what it was like to struggle. Yes. You know, Heather, you know, into her, like I said, we got married in our early 40s. Yeah. So she knew what it was to struggle. Like I said, I, I had a previous marriage. I know what it's like to be a single dad struggling. Um, and coming together and having two incomes. Um, it was a blessing. It, that was a blessing. But then we also, we decided from day one, you know, as we do this plan, we're going to start tithing every every paycheck, mm-hmm. you know. Okay. Um, and that's been, I mean, that's been a game changer. Yeah, and um, honestly, we wanted to make sure that we made mention of that and talked about the tithing because, you know, we know that everything we get comes from God. Mm-hmm. And so to be in a place where we have two incomes, where we're able to give back, and I, ha- you know, I have a list of probably, I don't know, 20 animal organizations that we're going to give to when we can, when mm-hmm. we get to that step. Mm-hmm. But giving back to God is like the most important thing for us. And so we wanted to make sure that that was something that we mentioned yeah. today. Yeah. And he blessed us along the way a lot. Yeah, yeah so, for yeah. sure. It was amazing. I already know the answer, I think, but I'm curious as to your take on it. Why do you think it is that when you start tithing, it changes everything? Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> Um, I think number one, it number one, you're acknowledging that, like I said, everything comes from him. Yeah, um, exactly. Number two, I think it starts instilling generosity. So I mean, yeah. even above tithing, there were times um, throughout those couple of years, um, you know, maybe our church was raising money for something, mm-hmm. you know, um, something specific, and we were able to give and do that or help out, mm-hmm. you know, some individuals along the way mm-hmm. when we could. Mm-hmm. So it's just, I think it's just about a posture of your heart and yeah and it's um, about a, yeah it's a posture of your heart and it's giving you know everything good we have comes from god and the reason why we're both standing here and we've been through every trial and tribulation we have is because god has brought us through it mm-hmm. and god has always been good and so for us to be able to be good to god like it's the right thing mm-hmm. to do it's biblical and it yeah i think just having a posture of your heart that instills giving like it's just a beautiful thing. And so we yeah. just love the fact that that money goes to the church and it goes to food banks and it goes to, yep. you know, yeah. it filters out to people who really need Very it. Very good. Very yeah. good. Well done, you guys. Well done. Yeah. Yeah. When you There's something about when you take your eyes off yourself, mm-hmm. the posture of your heart, and you put your eyes on other things, other people, other others. There's a nobility to that that changes who you are 
and then you don't whine as much about something in the budget. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just well, it changes that. You stop, <laughs> I, I, didn't, I didn't say. I didn't say. I said as much. Right. Yeah. I said as much. I didn't say not at all. It's, it's and so, still a process. We all, we all still. We all. We all reserve a little room for some budget whining. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I some love more than others. Very stuff. transparent, Heather. It works, but gosh, it stinks. Yes. Yeah. I love it. Good stuff, yeah. you guys. Well, we're very, very proud of you. Congratulations. Thank well, thank you, you so Dave. much. Who were your uh, biggest cheerleaders? We we had some friends in the church. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, we we had some folks that worked here that we mm-hmm. you know knew, and uh, my parents were very supportive cool. along the way too. So we yeah. got a copy of uh, Baby Steps Millionaires for you. Great, that's the next chapter in your story. A copy of the Total Money Makeover for you to give away and help somebody get started awesome. on this same Great. journey, and also a uh, one year subscription to Financial Peace University. Great. Cool, and the brand new videos that are in there, and uh, they'll they'll change everything. Way to go, you guys! Awesome. Thank you so proud so of y'all. Much. Jeremy and Heather, Columbia, Tennessee, fifty. <laughs> Thousand paid off in 23 months. Newly married, did it Let's with 83, making money. 130. Count it down. Let's hear a debt free scream. Okay. Three, two, one. We're, We're debt free. Yeah. <laughs> Woo! That's fun. Very well done. This is the Ramsey Show. personality is my co-host today michael is in las vegas hey michael how are you i'm doing well how about yourself better than i deserve what's up all right uh so here's kind of the rundown i am 38 i have three boys and i'm going through the middle of a divorce i'm sorry uh it is what it is um trying to make the best of it though uh we are splitting the house though 50 50 and zillow currently has a, as estimated at uh, 108,000 um we already kind of have a buyer he wants to bring in his own assessor and whatever it is and whatever price we agree to obviously we're going to split it 50 50 on the low end i'm thinking it's going to be around about 300,000 you know less the broker fees and all that other stuff the question is is what should i do with that uh because my dad says i should maybe get an apartment kind of figure it out for a little bit see how the housing market goes up and down i'm thinking i should buy an rv a nice one uh roughly your dad no not an rv no your dad's right rv is going to go down in value this is not the time for an adventure you you know yeah you need to just get calm settle down for those boys and just settle in and then wait a year and then buy something i'm fine with that i think your dad's right on track uh, and because okay, so man, RVs are hard to sell, and they go down in value, and so you're getting ready to park well, your, park your money in used... something that's hard to sell and goes down in value. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I do want to get out there and use the RV as more than just you know something to live in, but maybe I should scale that back. But just go rent like some trailer as opposed. Yeah, just go rent some. Yeah, you don't have to buy anything. Just go rent some. Okay. There's plenty of RV rental so, things out there. Several programs out there that you can rent. If you want to go be gone for three weeks with the boys and just have a, you know, a, a post-divorce healing time, a trip to 
you know, whatever, uh, Yellowstone Park or the Grand Canyon or whatever it is you're going to do mm-hmm. and something where you just spend a lot of time with them and you're going to rent something. But, I mean, that's going to cost a handful of dollars. You, you'll lose more than that when you drive the new RV off the lot. Okay. Okay. And then what? so reinvest into a house. The other thing is, is what should I do? I want to set up like a college fund for the boys as well. Okay. Um, Are you debt-free? So, um, I have about 6000 in credit cards, and that's literally it. Okay. All right. I would pay those off and cut them up and get debit cards so that you don't go into yep. debt again. Um, I already cut those up. <laughs> good. Good. You're on track. Okay. And let's set aside a portion. Are you, You're getting actually 50000 half of the 100 equity? No, no. It's a 300000 It's paid for? I'm getting... Yeah. No, the house is worth about seven. Oh, so you're getting three hundred. Yes. Oh, okay. All right. I, I, I thought I thought yeah, it was selling for I, I, there, some earlier. There was a hundred thousand discussion. Okay. Anyway. All right. So you got three hundred k. That's awesome. We'll set aside a chunk for an emergency fund. Uh, three to six months of your household expenses. What do you make a year? Uh, right now, I'm in between jobs. I get a stipend from the VA for. What would you make when you get back to work? Uh, right around thirty thousand. Okay. So if you set aside 15000 for an emergency fund, you'll be fine. If you set aside another 10000 for trips and rental fees and whatever and take, take, take the boys somewhere, that'll be fine, okay? Okay. And then you and you go rent an RV. You can rent one forever for $10,000. Oh, my God. <laughs> and so um, and uh, uh, then we're going to just park the rest of it for a year and rent something inexpensive and just let yourself settle down and decide – when some of the smoke is cleared out of your brain from this, you'll make a better decision on a piece of real estate. Okay. Like you don't you don't want to get remarried. You don't want to get remarried three days after you get divorced. That's called rebound. And buying a house on the rebound is also a bad idea. Okay. All right. And, and the other thing is the co- uh, boys' college fund. You'll get yeah, about, you, like, you, you just sit down with a smart investor pro. They'll help you park the money for the year and get some going to kids' college, and you'll have the rest of it for the down payment on the next house. Okay, I've got you. You make $30,000 a year. How the crap did you end up in a $700,000 house? <laughs> uh, her parents help with uh, some of the payments as well. Okay, and they're not recouping any of that. You're still getting half the uh, half of it. Mm-hmm. Wow. What's the plan going forward for you professionally? Well, initially, like I said, I was going to take some of this um, – money and uh invest into a business uh that i was going to start um but i think uh right now i think i just need to try and figure out what i should do with with this money and really evaluate if going into business for myself is the, the smart move or if i should just get uh you know yeah. get back on track with a job i would do and, that first so as dave was talking about not buying a house on the rebound uh, don't start a business on the rebound. Get a good, stable day job. And as you begin to settle into renting and settle into parenting these boys as a single father and all of the new things coming your way, then you begin to look towards the future. What is it that I want to do? What's the best way to do it? I would hold off on starting any business for a while. Yeah, business is too hard to fall into it. Yes. you got to walk into it with your shoulders square yep. and a resolute look in your eyes. Like you're bound to determine to start a business because it's hard. It is not an easy process. Johnny's in New York City. Hey, Johnny, welcome to the Ramsey Show. How you doing, guys? Great, man. How can we help? 
Good. Um, I'm trying to decide if it's a smart move to sell my paid-off car to accelerate paying off my student loan debt. What's your car um, worth? So right now, I could probably sell it for about nine to ten thousand. What do you make? And I have uh, about eighty thousand after bonus. And how much is your student loan debt? Fourteen thousand. No, I wouldn't sell it. How old okay. are you? Twenty-five. Okay. So where's all your freaking money going? Uh, that's the thing. Yeah, I that's the really thing. Know. And that ain't going to be fixed <laughs> by selling your $9,000 car. You make a ton of money right. and you're wasting a ton somewhere. Yeah, but I, I have been actually paying off a lot of student debt. I started with fifty k. Oh, good. Okay. That's not, um, that's not as bad so a story I have then. Been, okay. Yeah, no, it's it's not completely thrown away. But yeah. I'm getting a little exhausted of you know sacrificing so much. And I don't necessarily need my car. How much did you pay right off now, in what period of time? Um, in three years, I've paid off thirty six thousand. Dude, you no. haven't you haven't exhausted anything. Yeah. Okay. That's I want twelve thousand dollars a year out of eighty. That's pretty wimpy. You should not be exhausted from that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, but you this got... job that I do have now is actually pretty new. Good. Oh, no, okay. You weren't making eighty the whole time. I keep beating this guy up, right, and, I, and, I keep, and then he keeps coming back. <laughs> well, I, and I, I want to back in. off of him. Well, okay. I, I want to help a little bit, Johnny. You said you don't need the car. Why don't you need the car? He lives in New York City. I know, but I want to hear him say it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I I commute to work without my car. Yeah, so um, you literally don't need it at all. I mean, it, it, if I you were don't. to remove it today, uh, would it change your habits of transportation, getting in and out of the city? Not at all. Correct. No, no, it wouldn't. Um, I think it's just more a luxury item to go like visit family or friends. I would sell it. Um, I would, Dave. Okay. I would sell it in his case because it's going to fast forward the process. If he gets nine or ten right. for it, now he's got five left. He still he can pay it off quickly. I, I'm I'm game with that. But Johnny, let's make sure we do get to the bottom of. You don't have to do it with me, but you got to do it with the guy in your mirror. Mm-hmm. You need to get to the bottom of what, what you you kind of indicated that you've, uh, in one sentence, you were sacrificing deeply and you were exhausted. In another sentence, you were talking about how sloppy you were and that you could do more. So I'm not sure where you are. And so I was trying to pick on you, and then I couldn't pick on you, and I can't figure out what yeah. to do. So I'm trying to help you. But the, the point being, I want you to look in your mirror and go, okay, what do I need to do as a 25-year-old man? I need to man up here, and what have I got to do to be grown up and handle my money with a diligence uh, in in a way that that feels very dignified and noble because I'm being such an adult about it and I'm not partying my life away or I'm not disorganizing and and being sloppy because if you're making eighty grand you ought to be able to pay off fourteen in a heartbeat. That's right. Okay, that's the thing I'm hearing. But you just started making that and then parts of it you were sacrificing and parts of it you weren't. So you got to figure that out. But I don't want you to sell the car and still not face the guy in your mirror. So sell it. That's fine. But only if you look at the guy in the mirror and tell him he needs to straighten up. Because that changed my life when I did that. And I was about your age when I did that. And I'm a multimillionaire now because I did that. This is The Ramsey Show. Hey folks, Ken Coleman here. Did you know The Ramsey Show is one of the most popular podcasts in the world? Get your daily dose of advice on life and money. Check out all of our shows from The Ramsey Network wherever you listen to podcasts.